I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't want to see that. I feel conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want. I don't need to. I don't want. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that. I don't Welcome back, podcast listeners. This we're is, snacking. We're snacking. I'm Miss Jenny. And I'm Miss Marcy. And this is Countdown to the Comeback. Yay! Oh, it's on the countdown. Did I just blow your eardrum out? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> the countdown is almost over. I know. We are really close. I know. We are... I mean, technically... We're only at, if the viewers are an hour away or half an hour. If you've watched episode twelve, you're only and I would hope you had because this <laughs> everything is spoiler alert and everything. Then there's only one episode left after this, so here we are. In and then 12. the debut, which Woo-hoo! I'm gonna say, even though the time we're gonna be off, but the debut's tonight. We're filming this the day of the debut. Filming. We're very excited. Taping. Potting. Recording. Potting. We're potting this. We're porting it. Episode 12, Valerie Shines Under Stress. Okay, thoughts on this. I know I usually get, you get, I get annoyed when you say thoughts, but this was my favorite episode. <sighs> this is such a payoff episode. Yeah. On so many levels. Oh my God. I had forgotten about all these moments that are just so wonderful. And I'm excited about it. I was every episode that we were watching and talking about, I get more and more excited. I'm so excited for tonight and I'm so excited. Today is November 9th, which is yes. to us like a holiday. Yay. I know we've been looking forward to it for so long. And we're also really very smug and proud of ourselves for having done this project just for ourselves if no one else. We've done it. We said we were going to do it and damn it we did. But we have at this point, we have eight bazillion followers. It's true. It's been going Countless. like crazy. Keep sharing it, people. It is. Keep sharing. Write to us at genmarfilms at gmail.com. J-E-N-M-A-R-F-I-L-M-S at gmail.com. That's for Jenny and Marcy. We were very creative. Miss Jenny and Miss Marcy. I miss you, Miss Marcy. <laughs> I miss you, Miss Jenny. Personal. Personal moments. <laughs> Valerie Shines Under Stress, episode you know, 12. Yes, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Please. We kind of sounded like Tori Spelling and Dean McDermott at that moment at the end of their reality show. They always go, love you, babe. Love you, babe. Oh, I've, <laughs> I've never watched an episode of that still. I haven't I either. I just I, have seen the ending when I'm going to watch something else. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Have not. Uh-huh. Mm. So we open up and Valerie is in a recording studio and in a sound booth. It's obvious she's uh, recording the promos for the comeback, and she's like, don't go away. The comeback will be right back. You know, this is like the episode. I had sort of, I always remember there's a reality show following her, but I'm like, oh, wait, it's a real show, separate from Room and Board. Like, this is when I completely, like, it hit me. For me, I had that moment of... How much of the reality show are we going to see? And obviously, we've seen all this raw footage. Right. But how much of the final reality show, because I kept thinking, was yeah, the last episode, too. all of it? 
I'm thinking there's not much time left and getting nervous. Like, how are they going to show it to us? But as we know, it all works out because they planned it out. They knew what they were doing and I forgot what they were doing. I can't wait for tonight to find out, like, what they've been doing for the last 10 years. I know. Other than what we've seen in the promos, I've got lots and lots of questions. Oh, me too. And I wonder how much stuff that they're going to reveal to us in the opening. We'll see. We will see. So Valerie is recording the promos for the comeback, and she's trying to do her best. She wants to honor the word. Somebody had took the time to write it. And Mickey comes in bringing her hot water and lemon. Here we go. Huh? Yeah. Because this is it. It's happening. Hot yeah. water and lemon. Ah, oh, thank you, doll. Yeah. Hot water and lemon. It's real important for the throat. Soothing. So. Mmm. Yeah, much better. Thanks. She's reading the copy that they've given her, and she has a reaction because she doesn't want to read the line that she thought she would never work again. Yeah, I just let's just not record that one. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, it's better because if I record, you know, I never thought I'd work again. They're going to use it. You know, foolish not to because it creates stakes and drama. And that's not. Yeah. Okay, we'll just move on. Yeah. I never thought I would work again. She said right into the microphone. They'll use it, right? It was, again, another one of those examples of how she doesn't realize that everything she does could be used. Right. Even if she's saying, I don't want to say, and then she says the line, she doesn't realize she's just said it. Right. And she keeps saying, I think she says it like a couple of times. And then Mickey comes in or somebody else and she says, you know, they want me to say, I never thought I would work again. She, she goes on a rant about how they would be foolish not to. How they would be foolish not to use it if she said it. And she starts to say, I always knew I would, I would work again because I'm a survivor. And then she goes into a whole pitch on how she and Mickey were thinking of the best song for the show. Truth be told, I always thought I'd work again. <laughs> you know, always did. Just because I'm a survivor. You know, I know what's the next... Oh, speaking of that... Mickey and I, oh, we were thinking about what would be a good theme song for the comeback. And I don't know what they had planned or you had planned, but, oh, we had the best idea. Mickey. I Will Survive by Miss Gloria Gaynor. Huh? Well, put it on, won't you? Put it on so she can hear. Mickey played it for me, and I thought, oh, so fun, you know, so retro, and who can resist a disco beat, right? You know, and I know it's about a spurn lover, you know, but it works for show business, too. You'll see when you hear the words. Oh, so good. Not the song that we heard in the first episode, which was I'm a Survivor, right? That's Is it Destiny's Child or is uh-huh. it Beyonce? It's just Destiny's know. I Child. I like I know. Instead of it being that version or that song, it is the 60s, or 60s, it is the 70s, 70s disco. Gloria Gaynor. Gloria Gaynor song, I Will Survive. And she pulls it up and... Uh, she and Mickey are very excited, and they think it would be great. It's a title song, and that nobody can resist it because it's retro. And she's having them play it, and she's listening, and she's ready to jump in at any time for the parts that are poignant oh my God, to her. When she dances. She dances like Lucy. 
Remember when and Mickey's in the dance? booth. Like, it's just her and Mickey. Everybody else fades away, and it's her and Mickey. You know, Having she's... Having a love moment. Yeah, and he's totally, like, dancing. And, and they're disco dancing. Oh. Oh, my God. And they're, they're, white dan- they're white people dancing. Oh, they are. And nobody is reacting. Everybody is kind of quiet and... In your head, weren't you thinking, oh, my God, they can't afford that music. Why, is, why are they letting her play it? And I guess they just... That would be cut out. But then they tell her, hey, we, I don't think, I think Jane says we can't use that. It's going to be too expensive. And she offers the suggestion, Valerie offers the suggestion that she will sing it herself. That seems to be okay. They're all like, okay, all right. Oh, my God. Then we are at the mall, and Valerie's with Mickey. We I don't know why they're at the mall. They just happen to be. And there is a moving poster loop on one of the the billboards in the mall and as they're walking they see a poster for the comeback and they have this wonderful exciting like geeky moment where they're like oh my god oh my god it's so real to them at that point in time that's me where'd it go oh oh it'll come back around that was it mickey that was the comeback poster that was the poster oh jane were you able to get any of it? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, it'll come back around. Hurry. It'll come back around again. Wow, it happened so fast, you know? So exciting. So fast I was there, then I was gone, you know? Hardly time enough to take it in. They should leave it on a little longer. This line, to me, sums up the whole show. She says, so fast. First I was there, then I was gone. Hardly time to take it in. They really should leave it on a little longer. Wow. I wonder if at that point they knew that it wasn't coming back, because if not, that's awfully prescient. It is prescient. But I thought it really summed up the entire entertainment business and the season of this show. Mm-hmm. So, Valerie and Mickey, and, and the poster for the show, let me just say, it looks great. She looks awesome. Her awesome. legs look hot. Marcy is getting her nose cleaned by a canine professional. <laughs> Nasal cleanings by Sookie Vegas Wilson. Are your nostrils just not feeling so fresh? <laughs> Sookie, you need to come over before I go on dates. I because I always have booger paranoia on dates. Do you still get booger paranoia when you're married? Yes. <laughs> Although when you are married, like I'm married, there's absolutely no, there's no uh, embarrassment about saying, "Hey, man, do I have a bear in the cave?" <laughs> When you're married like you're married? What does that mean? Well, I think some people are married and or with a partner it's or partnered up. And yeah, and still <laughs> I still like to create a an illusion that they don't have any bodily functions. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm not like that. I couldn't be married like that. Oh you could. No, I mean I couldn't be married I would have to be married like you're married. Oh, 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 okay. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm too like, like I remember an episode, this is going to be the randomest sort of memory. I remember this episode of, what was the spinoff of the Cosby show where Lisa Bonet, of A Different World, where, and it wasn't Lisa Bonet's character, but it was her roommate, the Jasmine. Oh, the Jasmine guys. I forgot the name of that character. And she was living with her boyfriend at the time, and they wake up, or she wakes up in the morning like, 
20 minutes before him and goes in the bathroom and does her hair and makeup and all this kind of stuff and perfume and gets back into bed. And then he wakes up and he's like, God, every morning I wake up and you're just so fresh. And she's like, oh, I, I just thought, oh my God, it's so much work. Uh, yeah. But it's always stayed with me, that scene. And I'm sure versions of it have been done in other pieces. But Jenny, what other areas do you life do you live by trying not to be like a different world episode? A different world, a different world. Personal moments. Valerie and Mickey are hanging out on the set, and Mickey's flipping through a catalog. It opens, and Mickey's saying that he's really wants these knee pads for <laughs> working in the garden. <laughs> as Jenny is making as is air quotes air quotes. And yes, I just referred to myself in the third person. You did when he's when he's in his garden working on his heirlooms. <laughs> <laughs> Valerie's flipping through the script and having kind of a big reaction because she's only got three lines and Jane is telling her that she should probably say something. Because this is, this is the episode where they're going to do a big pitch with the network and trying to find a really funny clip. Right, because the comeback is going to premiere right after Room and Board. Whatever this episode is, it's going to go right into the comeback and... At this point, she's got three lines in the whole show. Mickey, of course, asks if they're funny. And she's, of course, not concerned with that. She says it's beside the point because there's nothing in the episode. This is what Valerie's saying. And again, she has a point, right? You've talked about that, too. Like, that she knows what she's doing more than we sometimes want to believe, maybe, because she sounds so stuck up or full of herself or crazy when she's talking about it but she's she's right that this is about to promo the comeback and they would want something good right mickey points out that uh tom and Polly g have just arrived at craft service which is you know 10 feet behind them and jane has been telling her that she should say something and she absolutely does not valerie does not want to rock the boat it's in your contract it's part of the deal with the network Okay, that's fine, Jane, but I'm not a lawyer, all right? I'm the actress. They're the showrunners. I don't talk contracts. There are other people for that. I'll say something. What? I'll say something. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. just remind them. Okay, gently. Don't push them. Don't make any demands. Okay, okay please. Jane says, all right, I'll say something because there are contractual stipulations and the deal with the network and the writer should know this. This is... This has little to do with Valerie and more to do with the network and them wanting to make money and have viewers, right? Get ratings. Valerie looks really nervous, like, well, no, don't don't be too pushy or whatever it is she tells her. As if Jane is going to go over and be a real cunt. Because, yes, I'm sorry, I've, that might offend some people. I always forget. Nasty. Cunt. <laughs> Valerie actually has a point. I'm going to use that clip. Valerie has a point when she tells Jane, like, look, I'm the actor. I'm not supposed to go and have these conversations about the contractual stipulations and what the network wants. This is stuff for producers and network executives and agents to talk about. It's not for Valerie. And it sounds sort of passive-aggressive or like she's avoiding conflict, but she's actually right. 
I was right. with her on that. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to go and get involved in that. I don't know any actor who would. Jane goes up to Tom and Polly G and wants to talk to them for a few minutes. And we don't really hear anything that Jane's saying. It's very quiet. And you just but, hear Polly G's reaction. <laughs> Which is beyond negative. It's a, I don't give a fuck about that. Meanwhile, Valerie, who's in the front of the shot with this conversation going on in the background, is all trying to act casual and continue the conversation with Mickey about the heirloom tomatoes. We're learning all about Mickey's heirloom vegetables. She loves the tomatoes. Of course, Mickey is more interested in what's happening over at the craft service table. Very, (laughs) like, confused by why does Valerie want to talk to him about this now? What were you saying, Mickey? Before? Before what? About the heirlooms? No, no fucking way. The show's already written. Okay, we, we got a memo from the Mickey grows the most gorgeous heirloom tomatoes. Fuck this and fuck her reality show, all right? It's already written. The show's already written. He's been such a prick. Such a prick. And then you hear Tom piping in and supporting Jane, actually, and saying, well, like, yeah, we got a memo from the studio. Paul E.G. really loses his shit, and you really hear him slamming things down and storming out. And Valerie keeps talking about tomatoes. Heirloom tomatoes. Which are the ones I like? What's the point of this? Green zebra and hillbilly. We have have to do it because it's for the network. Oh, fuck the network, all right? That's that's just shooting yourself in the foot. Not smart. Never say F the network. I'm quoting not saying it. Valerie gets very upset just hearing that. She's like, oh, no, that's not good. You should never, you should never say, you know, F the network. And I didn't just say it, but you should never say it. And she said, no, she didn't this time. She didn't say, I want to go on record. I love when she goes, I want to go on record. <laughs> right. Go Or she wanted to go on record that she wasn't joining in the coup willfully. Right. Right. So Jane returns to the table and Valerie, before Jane has even said anything, Valerie's very chastising about, you know, you shouldn't have provoked Polly G like that. You're making it worse. And then Jane says, oh, well, Tom said he'll write you something good. Jane, that was not, that was not good. That was not good. Should have left it to the lawyers. I don't know what you would hope to accomplish with that. Tom said he'd write you something good. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't hear that part. Really? Okay. Oh, good. Good. Miller's like, oh, okay, great. Wonderful. So (laughs) even though she's very... Uh, convinced, convinced that maybe Jane had fucked up in some way. She was very happy to hear that she handled the problem. And again, it's Tom's coming through again. He's going to write her something good. I love Tom. Yeah. He's a, he's trying. Yeah. I, you know, you wonder like, what is his relationship with, with Polly G, you know? I wonder if we'll learn any of that in the new season. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I've only seen Polly G in the promos. Yeah, I haven't seen Tom or heard anything about Tom. Maybe we'll find out he had a nervous breakdown or left the business altogether. I'm so excited about tonight. But meanwhile... Jenny's keeping me on track. We go right into the next scene where, at home, we learn that Valerie has got Mark up to speed on what's been happening. And he is not happy with Polly no. G. He does not like the report of... How his how his girl is being talked about. I love how um I love how he sticks up for her. He's so protective. 
It's so cute. He's the one person who consistently has stood up for her. And we've talked about this before, that that makes the show not too tragic because we know she's loved. And <clears throat> cherished. Personal. Personal moments. I wonder if through this whole episode they're going to hear us chewing. <laughs> We're eating Marcona almonds with rosemary from Trader Joe's. Otherwise known as booger nuts. And they are delicious. They are. Personal moments. Mark is very upset and really wants to go and give Polly G a piece of his mind. She keeps sort of trying to calm him down in that way that people do, where she's like, no, no, well, you know, it's the network, and he, it's the network that he was saying should fuck off, because Mark had, his, had a very strong feeling that Polly G was telling her to fuck off, and she's like, no, 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 he was telling the network to fuck off, and... Then she goes on to praise Tom, who's just really professional, and he's going to do something great for her. And Mark is still upset and wants to go and go to set and punch Polly G. Very lucky he has Tom for a partner. Very, very lucky that Tom is smart and he gets it. Yeah, well, you better watch out, or I'm going to go down there and punch him in his big, fat gut. Mark, so cute. He doesn't mean that, Jane. Yes, I do. See, this is, this is what I have that Polly G doesn't. A man at home who loves me. Not saying that Polly G wants a man at home. <laughs> Too bad he doesn't, huh, Jane? Because then, <laughs> then that F would stand for fabulous. <laughs> My point is, anyway, I don't take it personally. Not personally. He's an angry, angry, angry man. Valerie talks about... What she has at home versus Polly G. <laughs> Polly G must be very sad. And then she pulls out, she's using a salad spinner. Like, she, this is the first time we see her cook, I think. I think you're right. And the aggression with which she's using that. The stage business tells the real story. Peas and carrots. Peas, peas and, and carrots. carrots. Peas and carrots. Business. She's pounding on the salad spinner and working it kind of fiercely as she's like... Well, you know, he's just angry and he must be lonely and he doesn't have someone who loves him like I have at home. And Mark keeps kind of looking over at the camera, at Jane, and Valerie assures Mark that it's all going to be fine. And she starts quoting lyrics from I Will Survive. I don't know which ones it was that she said. First, I was afraid. I was petrified. He's amused and moving on. He's amused, but he's also, like, as she's saying that to him, he gives her that look like, we're going to be getting, we're going to be having some sex later. Right. I'm going to wag my lady butt in your face. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since I've talked about Mark's lady butt. All right, I was thinking about the lady butt earlier. <laughs> and just if, on the odd chance, Damien Young or somebody who knew Damien Young heard this... <laughs> We find him very attractive. Yeah, and, you know, just because it's smooth and shapely doesn't it, it mean that is. it's an It's insult. not a bad butt. I mean, ladies ladies take more care and pride in their butts. He has a glossy, smooth, and cushiony buttocks. So, you know. It's not a bad thing. So, lady butt is not necessarily an insult. It's <laughs> actually kind of a high compliment. We like your tuchus, Damien Young. Tilkes is this week's Yiddish word. <laughs> what was last week's, Jenny? Pupkin? Puppik! Puppik! 
Tony Danza's Pupik. It's a belly button. Who's Pupkin? It's isn't Pupkin. He's in a. Uh, uh, with Robert De Niro and. Uh, oh yes! Uh, oh my God! Oh my! Is it King of Comedy? Yeah, King of Comedy. I'm like, why is I? Why am I thinking Pupkin? All right. Enough about the lady tuckus. The next day on set, there's extra security, and Valerie apparently hasn't really noticed at first until Juna comes over in a very see-through shirt. Again, braless, nippy, see-through. And Juna starts saying that all the extra security is because she has a stalker. Valerie commiserates and starts talking about all the weird stalkers she had on always, I'm It. Always, you know, Valerie, always, it always happened to Valerie first. What was all this extra security? What security? There, Red, hadn't you noticed? Oh, I got a stalker note. Where? In my room. Oh, you're kidding. Came this morning. <gasps> well, well, I had to deal with that on it. Did you? Oh, yeah, you know, look, when you're lucky enough to be a celebrity, right, and you really got it like we do. Just comes with the territory. You should listen to Regina. All the nuts love Valerie. Yeah, well, that's true enough. There was one guy. <laughs> there was one guy who kept sending me pictures of himself dressed as my character, Becky. Kind of creepy. You know, I didn't need to see that. <laughs> what about the guy that sent you shit, remember? Oh. I'm it. I'm shit. Yeah, well, that's just me. Oh, my God. Just me. I don't even like to think about it. They were really funny examples that she used. Um, the shit guy. But the funniest one was the shit guy. The guy who mailed her shit. All of Valerie's they were stalkers... All, none of them were sexy. No. And they were all... Really weird. Really strange. Really strange. And somebody sent them her pictures of them dressed up like her or oh, something. Oh, yes. She said, I didn't want to see that. <laughs> Who needs to see that? And she's trying to be very light about it. And yeah. again, bond with Juna. But then Juna reveals that the note that she was left said, If I can't have you, no one else will. You know, what'd your note say? It said, if I can't have you, no one else will. Well, that's a death threat, honey. It is? <clears throat> Juna, no. No, it's not. Mickey, don't get hysterical, all right? I add fuel to the fire. Listen, we've got extra security, and I'm sure everything's going to be just fine. Mickey was horrified! And Mickey, again, in his typical Mickey way... Over-dramatizes it to the nth degree. And kind of makes it worse by saying, that's a death threat, honey! Oh, Mickey... And Juna, all naive, is, it is? Valerie's like, no, Mickey, that doesn't help. That's not going to help. And starts to calm her down. It'll be okay, baby girl, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, In the midst of this, Tom arrives with new pages and added bits for Aunt Sassy. He hands them proudly to her and says, hey, look, it's going to be great. There's a big pratfall. I know you love to do physical comedy selling it to her that he's done this great thing for Aunt Sassy. Everything is... He also hands pages to Juna because everything that she's going to do is going to be with Juna, which is extra special, and Juna's all excited. And then he drops the big bomb. See? All worked out. (laughs) Oh, Juna, here. Mm -hmm. Just take a look at the Aunt Sassy stuff because you're going to be in all of it. Oh, great! Oh, cool! (laughs) And, oh, uh, apparently I have an ulcer situation happening. Um, so I'm going to be out this whole week uh, running some tests. Oh, no, Tom. I, yeah. Anything we can do? Or? No, 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 I don't think so. Yeah. You guys will be in good hands with Polly. Don't worry about it. Here are the pages. Everything looks great for you. You're doing it with Juna. It's going to make you look great. 
but I'm not going to be here for the rest of the week. He has an ulcer thing happening. A wonderful way to just sort of slip that in. Got an ulcer thing happening. Well, you know, that might be... Working with Polly G, it can't be easy for him either. Oh, God, no. He absorbs everything. Yeah. He is the buffer and the conduit. He's in between everything. He's the bridge between Polly G and... Buffer and conduit would be a great name for a band. <laughs> or if you and I ever wanted to become strippers. How about ladies a 1970s... And Look at the stage. Buffer and conduit. I think it's our 1970s retro PI firm. You ah, buffer, buffer and conduit. <laughs> ah, Anyways, Tom is not going to be around for the rest of the week, and you can sort of see Valerie's look of horror and fright. Tom makes a comment that he is leaving them in good hands with Polly G. Oh, God. It might as well have been like, don't, 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 music playing. Right. You guys will be in good hands with Polly. Bad idea. Then Polly comes up and he's giving this really caring, loving hug to Juna about the stalker and everything. And and you know he has a Woody. And Valerie witnesses this and says, like, oh, what a bear. And he just gives her the evil eye. Now, while Mickey's looks may not have really, truly wanted to have killed her in the last episode, Polly G's looks always look like he wants he to kill her. He does wish her dead. Yeah, he does wish her dead. Or at least away from him. She is kind of dead to him. <laughs> so I felt really bad. She's like, oh, what a bear. He's so, like, sweet. And as a viewer watching him, he looks genuinely sweet and cuddly with Juna and everybody else. And then turns on a dime, just almost as if nobody else can see it. As if he's all happy and friendly. And then the minute everyone turns around, he's just like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Sort of, without <laughs> saying that. But he has that look. After this scene, she is outside the stages. We don't know what stages, but she's on a studio lot, probably the same one, and there's a red light on. She can't go in because they're filming as she's making oh, sure that oh we know god, this. Oh my god, I'm cringing because I know what's coming. Oh my god, I'm... Oh no. <laughs> then no, we, Valerie, no. Then we hear the bell, and the light goes off, and a crew guy opens the door, and... Jimmy, the director, our beloved James Burroughs, comes out and joins Valerie. And he's like, listen, I got your note. It sounded urgent. And he's a little surprised and confused. She tells him that she wants him to come and direct her for this big physical scene that she has in this in this current episode. Because he is the master. Uh, I've only got a minute. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then here's the scoop. So room and board wrote me this real funny bit, okay? I'm dressed as a giant cupcake in this diet pill hallucination thing, and I do a big pratfall. <laughs> Sounds like they lost their minds. No, no. Oh, no, it's funny. It's, yeah, no, it works. It works. Yeah, they're calling it uh, Requiem for a Dream meets Dr. Seuss. <laughs> it's real funny. Anyway, but the whole bit, you know, screams Jimmy. You know, but we don't have you this week. We know that he's filming something. Obviously, Jimmy can't. And anybody who knows anything about the business is you can't just say, oh, I'm going to go and direct this other thing this week when you've got contracts. And they've got a contract with a whole other director on her show. Right. You can't just decide to come over. No. I guess it's not even like it's a buy because she's just, she just needs attention. She just needs some reassurance from someone and she doesn't know where else to go, right? So she's going and she's pulling poor Jimmy out, who 
is surprisingly patient with her, as always. Valerie's flattering him and saying, you know, you're the master, and well, okay, maybe I can't have you for the for the week or to direct the episode, but why don't I mime it for you? And she's trying to move glass off the ground, and he's like, what are you, what are you doing? It's like a pratfall in a cupcake. She reveals that, yeah, look, Tom's gone all week and I'm left there with Polly G and he's in charge and he hates me and nothing I can do. Just want it to be good. Show Polly. It's okay. I can be, you know, I can be funny. I can be good. Honey, you know. Blood from a stone. What? He's... Blood from a stone. Yeah. All Jimmy has to say is, honey, blood from a stone. Blood from a stone. Incapable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Well, still, I want it to be good, so I'd love to. You know, the audience will laugh, and you'll go to that place you go. You'll be fine. You think? You're a giant cupcake. That's true. He reassures her that she'll be great. Why wouldn't she? She's going to be a giant cupcake. Keeps telling her she should fall backwards. Yeah, that was important. I'll see you. You're going to be great. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. And if yeah. you can, fall backwards. It's always funny. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was thinking I'd fall forward. Backwards. If he is the master and the master is telling you fall backwards. And she went to him for advice. And for direction on this. Right, and he gave her a great suggestion. He has his own way of doing things, but nothing's funnier than a face plant. I know that, just wanted to work it out with him, you know. And she starts arguing with him, really. She thinks that face plants are the funniest. As she goes up to the car, Mickey's asleep in the car. Which is one of those moments where it's like, oh no, Mickey's dead. And he looked dead. I thought he was dead for a minute. How many times did we think Mickey was going to die or was dead on, on the show? You know, between his almost heart attacks. We just go somewhere much darker. We do. But it was almost like he was a, a dog. You know? She should have cracked a window. Yeah. I say, where's the love? That night in Valerie's bedroom... She is rehearsing. We, it's all being caught on the overhead camera. And we have another little bit, sort of like in the first episode where she was rehearsing the I don't want to see that line. Here we get to see her putting in her time, rehearsing her big face She's plant. taken all the pillows off the bed and everything and made herself a big, like, safety net. It of. looks like she also has, like, an air mattress underneath there yeah, or something. So. She's definitely putting in the work. Over and over and over again. In the midst of it, Mark comes home, announcing that he had a late dinner with the client. Again, we don't know what he's doing, but he was out with clients and they wanted a party. She tells Mark how she's got this huge storyline. She's a big part of the B story now. And it's really great and it's pretty big and awesome, right? And he's like, yeah, how many stories are there again? And she's like, uh, that doesn't, not important. But he's concerned that she's going to hurt herself, and she assures him that she's going to be fine, and he thinks maybe he should come to set because Tom isn't there and he should be there to support her. But she's like, no, no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And then he also takes a run at the air mattress, the, the padding, and falling on it. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess it is okay. But we don't really know what's behind him afraid of her hurting herself. Like, I thought his concern was more... At that moment when I was watching it, I thought his concern was more about Polly G being a prick to her. Uh, or her looking bad or hurting herself because nobody's looking out for her. But we find out later that there's actually reason for people to be concerned about her falling. Uh, then we are on the set the next day and the metal detector is there. 
And Gigi's going through the metal detector, and Valerie cuts to the front of the line. I'm one of the stars. <laughs> it's like she's going into a club. Right. And She's she, got to be at the front of every line. And she doesn't want to go through the metal detector. She doesn't think she should have to because she's one of the stars. Oh. have to go through one of the stars. Uh, everybody has to go through, even the stars. By this point, a crowd has gathered, and uh, she goes through and sets off the alarm. Well, suppose I could be stalking Juna. Everyone could. <laughs> yeah, thought that might happen. Sometimes it goes off, sometimes it doesn't. Depends on the sensitivity. Right, Mickey? Right. So. Yeah. Would you mind going through again, please? Do. It's just going to go off again. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, um, I have a metal rod in my back, so, yeah, Jane had curvature of the spine as a kid, so they had to correct it, put a rod in, straighten it out. I had, uh, scoliosis. Happens to a lot of girls, you know. Right, Mickey? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. just stand on the side, please. Fesses up to them all that she has a metal rod in her back due to having scoliosis as a child. <laughs> of course she did. I hated this. The writers are all gathered and they're all like laughing at her. I know. And Mickey is in the background sort of looking very concerned and protective of her. And it's almost, she just keeps looking at him for support and help, reassurance. And Mickey is, what's the word? Um, gay. Mickey's very gay. But Mickey. Her, He'd be really could, upset if we did that right now. Mickey confirms everything that she's saying. Right. She'll be He's like, her yes man. Right. Totally. And this is very apparent in this scene. Finally, she gets a pat down from one of the women and everything's fine. She moves on, but she's been humiliated. And then Mickey's about to go through. And he's taking off the, the, the little beat at the end of the scene where he's taking off all his jewelry into the little jar, the little basket before he goes through the metal detector. Shouldn't have had that bacon. He's all bloated and retaining water. Can't get his ring off. Then we're in Valerie's dressing room, and Valerie's very upset, but she's just being quiet. She's not saying anything. She's not crying. She's not angry, but you can tell that she's upset. Jane asks if she wants to talk about what happened, and she says it's no big deal, and then goes on to talk about what a big deal it is, basically. Do you want to talk about what just happened at the metal detector? Oh, that was no big deal. No. Yeah. You know, you know, you know those girls in junior high school who have the body cast on or the back brace? That was me. <laughs> so, you know, it happened. Done. Yeah. Aren't you worried about your fall? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. No. Yeah. Have a rod in my back, but, you know, doesn't limit me much. You know, always been very active, very physical, you know. In fact, you know, even then I was on the field hockey team. Yeah, so, but that whole year, of course, I was in the body cast, so, you know, couldn't play. But I uh, still go to every practice, went to every practice, you know, dressed in the uniform for every game, right? And, uh, you know, still part of it, you know, ran around handing out towels and, you know, getting everyone water, cheering them on during the games, you know. Yeah, showed up every day. So it was, it was fun. Wouldn't let me be in the picture. She starts sort of tearing up as she starts to say how that year when she was in the body cast, helping out the team, 
They wouldn't even let her be in the picture. She was the scoliosis girl. She goes off to the bathroom to tend to her makeup and have a private moment. And we see in the mirror that Jane is crying. Get off me. Oh, I wonder if Jane had it was a scoliosis girl, too. We had a girl in our high school. Her name was spelled, her name was Michelle. And her name was spelled D-I-C-H-L-I-C-H. Oh, my God. Poor girl. She had scoliosis. She had bad skin. She wore her hair, like, in front of her face. And the teachers would, they would they would look at the roll sheet in every class. And they would go, okay, uh, you know, Marcy Smolin, Jenny Villet, Viegas Wilson. Well, in high school, you wouldn't have been married. But you're, and, you're close to saying, saying it right when you say Villegas, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, shut up. And, uh, and Michelle Deichleach? 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 And she would go, it's Dicklick! Michelle Dicklick! Oh my god. Yeah. That was our scoliosis girl. Should I cut this out? Uh, no. <laughs> Alright, we'll leave in Dicklick. Nasty. But, wow. What's her name? I don't know that we did have somebody we may have. But I can't remember. I mean, I remember. You always remember. You always remember. You know that person. But we never had the sixteen candles level. Yeah. No, we did. We had like three. Personal. Personal moments. So Jane is obviously moved by this story, and she has a very strong reaction. She's telling them to get the cameras off of her. We also see at this point that Jane is also emotionally invested in Valerie. You really see that they're. They're, you know, they care. Or maybe Jane is really Michelle Dicklick. <laughs> Could be. Well, yeah. I mean, she may have some of her own pain. But it's yeah. a very real moment for yeah. Valerie. And Jane is there to witness it. And we, we really see, this isn't one of those fake Valerie moments. We really see that it's embarrassing and it's a sensitive. It must have been a horrible time for her. And it's stuck with her. She yeah. goes right back to that moment and regresses. Then we go into the tape night. So we're at the tape night, and they are filming the last scene. And the warm-up is up there. Matt Weinhold. You know him. Yes, very cute comedian. Very funny, very, very funny, very smart. So he's keeping the audience upbeat as they prep. He gets them all up to speed with what's happening in the story. Late night, June's gone to bed, the leftover goodies are in the fridge, and Aunt Sassy's hallucinating upstairs in a diet pill stupor. <laughs> Valerie makes her big entrance. This is like a dream sequence, and Valerie's... Not Valerie, Aunt Sassy is a giant cupcake. Scene J, four cameras, Cohen marker, take one. And action. <laughs> Must have cupcakes. Must have quesadillas. Oh, I don't need to see that. Do the island moving. Why isn't the island moving? Move the island. Not moving. Okay, cut. What happened to the island, Bill? So Valerie's a giant cupcake. She makes her big entrance. Gets a huge laugh. She's glowing. She's glowing from that laugh. She's in it. And the stage mechanics fail. They need to reset it. 
They realize the rig is blown. It's going to take at least an hour for them to get it fixed. And she goes backstage to sort of wait. And Being a pro. She's taking it like a pro. She's upset, but she's taking it like a pro or trying. She realizes how audience dependent it is. And she loves an audience. She comes sure. alive in front of an audience. She's in her dressing room waiting. It's been about an hour. And somebody. One stage the, manager. Stage What's manager. Eddie. Eddie. Eddie, yeah. So Eddie pops in and says it's going to be another 45 minutes. And she's disappointed and asks how the audience is. And she's told that they've all been sent home. Here's what's going on. Yeah. It's going to take another 45 minutes. What? Why? Why? We, we had to go over to Warner Brothers to get a new motor. All right. How's the audience doing? Getting restless? We let the audience go. What? Oh, no. Eddie, no. No. Gotta have the audience for my bit. How am I gonna know if it's working? Well, I'm sorry, Val. You know, it was 11 o'clock. There was a tour. They had to be out of there. Yeah. The audience was getting antsy, so we... Yeah, okay. I got it. Okay. I got it. You know, now, we pre-shot that tag. Yours is the last scene, and I'll come and get you one. Thank you. Okay. And then she oh, panics. Bad moment. She looks out, because there's all this time to kill now as they're waiting for the equipment to get fixed, and she sees the writers are all partying and doing shots. Yeah, and, doing shots. That was, the, like, a lot. And she's very, very upset. We cut to the actual filming. We know they fixed the stage business. They fixed the rig. She's all in her cupcake gear like the professional that she is, and they are back to filming the big cupcake dream. We find out that Polly has let everyone go except for a very bare-bones crew, and he's just sitting there in the director's chair eating oh, pizza. It was disgusting. Not eating, like shoving it in his mouth. And does not care what she's doing one way or the other. Drinking beer, shoving pizza in his mouth. He's already done a bunch of shots. He's just sitting there laughing at her. Inside, though, he wouldn't laugh outside because that yeah. she might think that that meant she was doing a good job. Right. Come on, Marker, take two. I don't need to see that. Must have cupcakes. You're fat, fatty, fat, fat. Wake up, wake up. Oh. And cut. <laughs> you okay, Val? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Are you sure? Oh, sure. No, I'm fine. Perfectly fine. How was that? Polly, what do you think? No, yeah. You know what? The fall could be better. Could be better, Polly. I'm going to do another one. Whatever. And he didn't write these pages. We know that Tom wrote these pages. So right. he's not invested in it. He has no vision for this scene. They start rolling, and she comes in and does one take with the face plant, and they reset. She wants to do it again, even though they've got this one. And Polly's like, yeah, whatever. And she keeps doing it and keeps doing it. But so here we go. This is the big moment, which I did not even write down because... It's okay. It's, so she falls. She keeps doing it. Forward. She keeps... Not backward. Didn't you keep waiting for her to fall backwards? Totally ignored Jimmy Burrow's suggestion. We have a little bit more of reason to understand now because there seems to be a fear. And everybody is... all The few crew members that are there do seem to be a little cautious because now everybody knows she's got a metal rod in her back. Right, and they don't want it to hurt her back. She doesn't seem to be getting it right. She doesn't feel good about the way that it's going. And on the last take she does, she falls backwards. And she's like, I think that's it. Right? Yeah. Then afterwards, 
she has this moment with Polly G. This she has this desperate need for Polly G's approval. So she goes up to him and says, I think we got it, didn't we? I think we got it. Good. Okay, yeah. I think that was the one, right, Polly? That was a good one. I like the first one. And why'd you why'd I do all those other takes? Because you like throwing yourself on the ground? And he says, I like the first take. Yeah. And she said, Why do you uh why do you why'd you keep making me do it then? And and he says to her that he likes to watch her humiliate herself or something like, like that. that. Did he, what, when did he, what did he say about the metal rod in her back? He said something about the metal rod in her back, which she was going to shake off, but then she... And it was very insulting, and he was laughing at her, and she turned around, and she just slugged him in the stomach. Right. She's about to walk away, and she turns around. She can no longer contain herself. Yeah. And she did what Mark said he was going to do. She did exactly what Mark said she was, he was going to do. She punched him in the gut. You know, could have really hurt me. Like, relax. It was a joke. Oh, what? Did rot in your back go all the way up your ass? All right. Well. Mark to do it. She could take care of herself, yep. and she punches him in the gut, and Polly G vomits, and then she sees the vomit, and she vomits right after. It was so disgusting. It's so disgusting and hilarious, and exactly what would have happened if I did that to oh, somebody. Oh God! If someone vomits in front of me, I vomit. I know it's really hard. Yeah, I am definitely a contagious vomiter. Or a- yeah. I catch the vomit you contagion. Catch, oh, you catch vomit, do you? Wow. Ew. Ew. That sounds like Ew. some kind of a gross taste. I don't want to see that. I don't want to know about that. Oh. I don't want that in my brain. I don't want to taste that. <laughs> Personal. Personal moments. So that's the I end of... I want to smell that. That scene. And then they're both, like, storming off, like, don't yeah. film this, don't film this. They're very... Both of them. And then the crew just films the vomit. Right. Jane has them film the vomit. That's the very end. Oh, then the very last scene with the credits, we have Valerie's in the booth, in the sound recording booth again, and we hear the opening strains of I Will Survive, and she starts singing very vanilla, a very vanilla version, and the producer stops and gives her a direction. And it was very vanilla. Tells her what the story is about in the song. And she's like, all right, I can use that. And she becomes fierce. She becomes fierce and she kills it. Yeah. She turns on. Val, you know, um, you've really been dumped on by a guy. Get with that, okay? It took all the strength I had not to fall apart. You're trying hard to mend the pieces of my broken heart. And I spent oh so many nights just feeling sorry for myself. I used to cry. This is another one of those thematic moments where this is this person who she takes direction beautifully. She does. And she's looking for direction everywhere from anybody because she has no internal sense of of it. Of course, she's very unself-aware. But the minute that she's told that... And the producer in the booth is very kind and, like, he gives her the motivation. She, like, 
looks so thankful and really absorbs it and is like, right, great, it's great, I can do that. It finds her way in and you see why Valerie Cherish is successful as as an actress or could have been or was or will be right. that she has she has the chops. She just needs direction, like a lot of actors do. Right. I, I you know, I some I think that some of the best actors though I mean this is a whole other this is semantics and talking about acting, but you know, make their own choices and then, you know, are adjustable with direction. Oh, absolutely. But I don't think she does. Well, she makes the choices that she thinks, not from her gut, but what that she thinks, you know, will work. Well, we've seen her on room and board making her own choices because she's not getting a lot of direction right. other than when Jimmy Burroughs is around. And even when right. Jimmy Burroughs is around, she's not listening to right. him necessarily. And she, she's a pro. But she does nail all the things that they do give her to do. Yeah, she does. To do. I also wrote down that she plays roles but doesn't know how to be real in real life yeah. without reassurance and feedback and direction. So she needs direction in life, too. And that's what Mark, I think that's what Mark gets her. Yeah. And we all need that to a degree. We all yeah. need people to reflect back to us and say, you're doing okay. Right. That's all right. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. What were your other, you know, kind right. of to be exactly. that sounding board. And she's been sort of in a vacuum Mickey does tell her she's okay a lot, but he isn't very critical of her. He only tells her what she wants to hear. Right. And she relies on that, but she doesn't grow from it. No. She doesn't get any better from it. No. That's the end of this episode, and this episode was directed by David Steinberg and written by Heather Morgan. Woo! So, yeah, definitely one of my favorite Absolutely. moments. And which, the double moment was hilarious. When she punches Polly G, oh my god. That was so funny. It was like, yeah! I mean, how I wanted to punch him. It was a huge sigh of relief. Go Valerie! Yeah, that was the payoff. That was totally the payoff. We have one episode left. Valerie's going to do another classic Lena. Yeah, oh I can't wait. Give me all choice! You guys will be in good hands with Polly. Bad idea.